And we are live. Welcome to today's episode of MarketConf on air. As always, I'm your host, Rob Walling, and I'm waiting for my waiting for my theme music to kick in here. <laughs> Producer Xander is frantically looking for the button, the insert music. Every Wednesday, we live stream for 30 minutes, and we cover topics related to building and growing ambitious startups that don't require, require us to work 80-hour weeks, raise millions in venture capital, or drive us to the brink of burnout. And we seek things like freedom, purpose, and relationships, and we want to maintain those values while building interesting companies can have an impact maybe on the world or maybe just our little corner of it. So welcome again on this Wednesday afternoon. A couple housekeeping items as we kick off. One, if you haven't checked out the MicroConf On Air podcast, um, we're doing a lot of stuff there. One, every Thursday morning, these episodes air, just the audio feed, in case you want to catch it asynchronously or you miss any of the live streams. And two, we are doing what's called MicroConf Refresh, where every Tuesday morning, we're airing a past MicroConf talk, um, basically the top-rated talks of all time. We have 190-something talks from 19 events over almost 10 years, and we're handpicking the best-rated from each year. We started with the top five of all time from folks like uh, Joanna Weeb and Jason Cohen and uh, Patty Olevin and Sherry Walling, and I have one in there too. And I think, yeah, I think mine maybe goes live next week, but then we'll be keeping it rolling. So we've gotten a lot of good feedback about that. Folks who say, you know, I can't sit down and watch a hundred videos. I can't sit down and watch one video, um, but it's great to have a podcast feed and you kind of spoon feed it to me every Tuesday morning. It gives me an excuse and kind of, it's a little bit of a forcing function too. It's in the queue and I'm going to learn about copywriting this week from, you know, Joanna Weeb or how to stay sane while starting up from Sherry Walling. So that's the MicroConf on air podcast. And uh, you can find that in any podcatcher that you used. If you haven't already, head to youtube.com slash microconf uh, and hit that subscribe button. That will notify you when we are going live every Wednesday. We've also done some other live events over the past several months as COVID uh, became more of a thing. And we will be publishing new videos, you know, as we have in-person events and do other live streams. Thanks, as always, to Basecamp and Stripe. They are headline partners for the year, and they make everything we do um, just a little bit easier. So we want to thank them for being on board with MicroConf in 2020 and uh, look forward to um, you know connecting with you all at, at the next in-person event that we are able to hold. My guest today probably needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyways. Mr. Rand Fishkin is the co-founder of Moz and now SparkToro. Uh, he was he is a microconf speaker who was slated for our Minneapolis event and last April well we obviously have had to postpone that um, but I do expect and hope to see him uh, on a main stage at a future microconf as soon as we're able to get those rolling again he's also the author of Lost and Founder a book which I think you'll be able to see in his uh, behind him on his bookshelf when once he appears here but highly highly recommended i've listened to it multiple times it's just a great tale of his story of raising venture capital and just how skewed and perhaps perhaps how challenging that whole ecosystem is and how it can it can lead to the wrong motivations when you want to build a great 5 10 20 30 40 million dollar software company and venture capital doesn't necessarily support that so it, it's it's a great story he's also I, i'm an investor in sparktoro he's an investor in tiny seed and uh, this is only the second time I think that Rand and I, I realized he and I have really never spoken one-on-one. Um, -on -one, so it was great to chat with him beforehand. So Mr. Rand Fishkin, love to welcome him to the show. How are you doing, sir? Great, Rob. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We already have listener questions pouring in. So oh, this wow. is what happens. Amazing. Yeah, is when we get 
someone, you know, if people know your background and they know your story, they know the questions that they want to hear you talk about. And so um, <laughs> sure. we, it, we, we may have more than we can fit into 30 minutes, but we'll do our best. So I'll, we'll have to go lightning round, two word answers. Exactly, exactly. So I want to kick us off and set the stage a little bit. Um, you know, you mentioned that, uh, you know, obviously you're known as, as a brilliant online marketer, not just SEO, but content marketing and, and just all the things to get people to, to be interested in, in what you're up to. Um, and, and I wanted to kind of kick it off with like, you know, what are the top few online marketing opportunities that you are seeing today? Yeah, um, <laughs> it's interesting. I'm I'm actually uh, trying to prepare a blog post on on where folks can go with their advertising dollars during the Facebook boycott, um, and you know also looking at this long term trend of fewer and fewer people clicking on Google search results. Right, the the rise of the zero click search, which I've been writing about the last few years. And so it's um, it's been interesting to see that the duopoly that sort of controls online marketing and online advertising, Google and Facebook, uh, are becoming more and more challenging to participate in and less and less of an opportunity. And so this, um, I think this is pushing a lot of marketers to think about where can I do other things. And the biggest problem that I see, to be honest, Rob, is that um, so many folks assume or believe that, that they have to be able to get low friction, programmatic, high, um, high reach for their dollars and uh, very low effort for their dollars in marketing, right? I think in software businesses, especially with SaaS, we don't want to be thinking, oh, how do I reach out to 10 new sources of influence of my customers each week? Like, I don't, I don't want to do that work. I want to just pay Facebook or Google and have them put my messages in front of people and have a certain percent convert and have that be low friction. So the bad news for all of the software entrepreneurs who are probably listening is if you want to make marketing any kind of competitive advantage, you're, you're going to have to go and do sort of the grind, right? A little bit of the work. You're going to have to add to your schedule. Hey, let me go figure out some publications that my audience reads or watches or listens to. Let me try and build a relationship there. Let me try and see what the options are there. Um, and and it is, it's really the long tail where the opportunities exist, right? So finding things like, oh, I can run a sponsored ad on Pocket and a lot of people who buy software as a service subscriptions, you know, Pocket because it's integrated with their desktop or their, their um, browser and their phone it shows them ads before in right in the stories that it shows them and oh that might be a really good opportunity for me or gosh this publication reaches whatever it is um architects in canada which is which are the primary buyers of my crm and so you know they listen to this Archinect sessions podcast and i'm gonna have to go figure out if i can maybe be a guest on there or pitch them on a sponsorship. It, it's those kinds of things where opportunities exist. Yeah, so you're, you're saying a lot less about um, competing for ad space because that's going becoming more and more expensive as Facebook and, Facebook and Google are very smart and they, you know, well, it's arguable about their motives and everything. They just are gonna, the dollars are gonna continue to go up and up and up to get the same clicks. And you're saying, look at all these other influencers, look at all these other people who've built audiences, look at the bloggers, the podcasters, the people on Twitter, right? Who right. already have an audience. How, how can you either, you know, interact with them, be, you know, be exposed to their audience. Maybe it is a paid thing. Maybe you are running an ad or maybe it is an Very invite. Possible, to yeah. Money, right. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's, you, that's exactly right. I think, I think one of the, one of the big pieces of advice that I have for folks 
um, if if your goal is to do this organically, right? And I uh, Spark Toro has never bought an ad for the first five years of Moz's existence. It never we never paid for any any anything. I think maybe a conference booth in our early days, but but that was pretty pretty much it. Um, and we did almost everything organically. So it was through content, through email, through SEO, through social media marketing, through comment marketing, through relationship building, through podcasts, through videos, right? You, you can just see the, the, this huge coverage of basically anything that you didn't pay for, we tried to participate in, right? Conferences and events, all that stuff. Um, and it, it can be very successful to build a brand that way um, it can scale nicely. It fits really well with sort of the software as a service uh, subscription mindset because you, it, in a SaaS play, usually most of the time you are looking for hundreds to thousands to maybe tens of thousands of customers rather than hundreds of thousands and millions and tens of millions of customers. And because of that, you can afford to spend a significant amount more time building a deeper relationship on each platform. And so that can um, that can be successful, but you know the the there's three challenging parts of this: figuring out where your audience pays attention to, having some reason why the people who run that publication or podcast or um, um, website or whatever want to engage and interact with you, want to feature you, want to amplify your work, uh, and then third, producing things that will do that. Hmm. Those those are all three challenging bits. And so, you know, my advice for a lot of folks is to like kind of find this um, this intersection of three things, really, like for early stage companies, which which I know a lot of the folks listening are um, go. Don't try to do everything at once. Like, I don't I don't know, Rob, if you've heard um, what, what's his name, uh, Gary uh, uh, Vaynerchuk, right? Vaynerchuk. Like speak about. Yeah, right. Like he has this. He has this philosophy around um, what do I want to call it? Uh, be everywhere, right? Like you have to you have to be in all the places and and be doing this marketing in all of these places all the time. And what are you doing? You're not on TikTok and Snapchat and what? And I I don't believe in that at all. I I think that is terrible advice for most folks and especially for for software as a service entrepreneurs, especially in early stages. What I would urge you to do instead is to find one or two tactics that really work for you. Maybe you're a great blogger. Maybe you're a great podcaster. Maybe you're great on video. Maybe you are um, a good podcast guest. Maybe you're great at giving webinars. Perhaps you are terrific at Twitter or uh, you've got a great Facebook page. Maybe you are amazing at visual content. And so Instagram and Pinterest work really well for you. Whatever it is, right? Pick anything. One or two things that you have passion for where you can create unique value that the market, uh, no one else in the market is already creating, right? So unique from your, not just your competitors, but your competitors for the same attention in that space. And third, pick somewhere where your customers actually are. So maybe you love TikTok videos, but my friend, I I have bad news. Most buyers of software are not yet on TikTok. So um, that's, that's sort of my, you know, three, uh, intersection of those three that you'll, you'll find good opportunities there. 
Right. And it seems, I mean, you've, you've walked this walk in terms of, you know, whiteboard Fridays you used to do with Moz, right? I mean, that'd be a pretty good example of like creating content that people wanted to share and was, you know, in the hands of educate, it was educational content marketing and you're doing it today with, um, I mean, you're, you're still a pretty prolific blogger compared to most of us who I used to be a blogger is what I tell people now, but like, you're still publishing these really long form pieces. There's actually a, let me see if I can find the question about it, um, in on air, but it was basically, yeah, he was talking about your dirty little secrets are ranking number one in Google, uh, yeah. you know, which which was a great read. Um, and and do you find still that those? I mean, it must be working if because I know you have to spend a lot of time to put those posts together. And yeah, um, I, let's see. I would say it works in that it brings um, attention and awareness, right? But it is if you think you know, I, I don't, I don't mind the funnel view of marketing, right? There's sort of people who are. Uh, up here, they are not yet uh, aware of of you and what you do, right? And you're trying to make them aware of you and what you do first, and then you try and sort of sell them on the concept, and then you sell them on the product, and uh, and hopefully they subscribe and stay a customer. And uh, a lot of that content marketing that I do on the blog is either stage one or stage two, right? Moving people from I don't know what SparkToro does to okay, I get what they are. Uh, or I haven't heard of them to I've heard of them. Uh, and then some of it, you know, a few pieces I've done a, a, a few blog posts about like, hey, here's how to create a launch outreach list, right? So your startup is about to launch or your new product's about to launch. Here's how to go make an outreach list. I'm going to use SparkToro as an example because it does a pretty darn good job. But there are other software pieces, right, that I point to that you could also use. Um, so some of that is converting people from, you know, awareness to I know what the product does and I might check that out. Uh, and I think that I think that can work. You, you brought up Whiteboard Friday as well, which is Whiteboard Friday is an interesting example because it is uh, episodic content. And I think that's probably so. So is MicroConf right on air. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. what you do here, Rob, is essentially produce a piece of content that is consistently similar, not exactly the same, but consistently similar in its value proposition, consistently similar in the audience that you're trying to help, right? And if you enjoy one episode, right, if you're listening to this and you think, gosh, this is really valuable, I should check it out, you know, you'll probably listen next week and the next week and the next week, you probably go back through the back catalog and listen to, you know, other stuff that's been recorded. That episodic content, I think, is one of the most underinvested, high value tactics that you can uh, play in and and it is super valuable because most folks give up very quickly and very early. They'll do like six to ten episodes of their episodic content and then they'll throw in the towel because they're not getting returns. Um, and I can tell you honestly, right? I've I've written about this and talked about it. Whiteboard Friday was the worst performing blog post every week on Moz for the first two years that it was out. Was the worst one but it also like we could see sort of this um it was serendipitous but i could feel i could feel as we were producing them and as we were making them that i was getting better at it that it was getting easier and easier to make them that more people were subscribing right it was it was still bad in two years but but better than it was when it started and also that the connection between people who had seen me on video was far greater. Yeah, it was, it was massively superior to 
um, what happened when someone just read a blog post. Like the amount of the, the degree of engagement was huge. And I was getting, you know, way more conference invites and all that kind of stuff too. Right. I've seen the same thing because I was a blogger for five, five, six years, then started podcasting and was also not, you know, didn't get much traction. It took a year to get like a 10th of the audience that I had on the blog and it was super frustrating, but, but it's the exact same thing. Suddenly you're in their earbuds, it's episodic content every week and people, they really build a relationship. And I think that yeah. comes to playing to your strengths a little bit too, right? It's like, you're good on camera like you are you can stand in front of a whiteboard and do it not everyone can do it were you good at the start are you about to tell how awful oh. you were because really I, you I've can go watch them really. you can go see okay. episode one of whiteboard friday and it's just uh it's it's kind bad right it is it's really <laughs> it's it's a struggle to get through the eight minutes or whatever it is that i yeah. that it takes to explain 301 redirects in video number one so yeah yeah oh geez Cool. Well, hey, we have a we have like four or five listener questions, and I want to you know part of, of being live is that it's awesome Let's to ha it. have interaction from the users. So some of these will be kind of non sequiturs, but others tie into exactly what we were talking about. So first question is from uh, Jocko. Uh, he runs Flight Path Finance, and he says thanks for doing this, Rand. His, he says your uh, your the dirty secret to ranking number one in Google was an awesome read. I particularly enjoyed the part three about engagement. Do you have any examples of evergreen content? that does this well, the engagement piece, I think, say a post that ranks well for a year or two after publication and results in high engagement by readers. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, in fact, I have uh, not just a few examples, but um, I think I have something like 160 examples. Um, so wait a minute, uh, 10x content examples. Let me see. I, I hopefully remember that. Yes. I okay. That so article. if you search for 10x content examples, I have 119 of them. Uh, I updated the list recently to remove some. It says it hasn't been updated since 2018, but that's a lie. I updated it like last month. Um, let me see if I can. I'll, I'll chat that URL to you, Rob, and then if you want to share it right now. Yep. I'll post so, yeah, it in my um, Not all of these rank extraordinarily well, but most of them do uh, quite, quite well. Awesome. So not just one example, Jocko, a hundred and ninety. Randall, Randall. I know you asked for one, but. <laughs> but here you go. All right. Um, a question from James Kennedy, uh, who is, he's a microconf speaker and he runs, oh, I'm trying to, James, I, you, rubberstamp.io is what it used to be called, but it's a SaaS app um, for procurement. He says, how do you, it's a pretty broad question, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. How do you hire a great marketer? Oh, yeah. Um, that is that is truly a challenging question. My my best advice here is to start with a contractor or an agency, right? Consultant or agency. Um, let them help you get up to speed and build a great practice. The, uh, Spark Toro, I, I am taking my own medicine here. We, despite the fact that I'm a marketer, I have uh, we have contracted with a CRO agency. We contacted with a product marketing. Um, agency and uh, I'm talking to some uh, folks about a content marketing agency to help us with content that's more uh, lower, you know, bottom of funnel stuff. So um, I, I am a huge believer in this. I, in fact, I am coming around to the belief that it's a big mistake to, as a SaaS company, um, hire a lot of things in-house and that instead you should work with experts who see this a ton um, 
until and unless you have very repetitive tasks that you need sort of done consistently all the time. So yeah, my advice would be to, to find uh, a marketing agency. Depends on the kind of marketing you need to do, right? If it's, um, hey, we need to build a great paid practice or hey, we're trying to build our organic or we wanna do content, we wanna do SEO, we're trying to build episodic content, whatever it is. Um, I will say this, I'm uh, happy to offer my help on this front. If you want to email me, rand at sparktoro.com, I have connections to tons of marketing agencies and I can ping some people and be like, hey, does anybody know, you know, can you help whatever James with X problem? Right. Um, yeah, feel free to drop me a line. That's super generous. Thank you. Yeah. James, I bet James will reach out. So hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully you can connect with him. Um, next question is about the Facebook boycott. It says, Ran, you mentioned the Facebook boycott. Can you explain more about what that is? I think that's a good question because I don't, I had yeah. heard of it like this morning, but I don't fully understand what's going on. So I'd love, love oh, to Oh, sure. Yeah. So there's, um, I think it's over a thousand companies now, including uh, many of the Fortune 500. Uh, Disney just joined the boycott, um, which is crazy because uh, for mm -hmm. the last two or three months, Disney had been. Uh, upping its spend massively on mm -hmm. Facebook, but they they just joined the boycott as well. It is uh, the boycott is uh, called Stop Hate for Profit, and it is basically a um, a push from tons of companies of all kinds. You know, a, a lot of traditional characters click, kicked it off. So Ben and Jerry's ice cream and and um, Patagonia and you know folks like that. But uh, you know, big banks joined, like Wells Fargo joined. Wells Fargo is not. A particularly progressive organization in any sense, but um, the concept and tons of small businesses have joined, like small and medium businesses across the country too. Uh, and the the concept behind it is basically let's push Facebook to be a better uh, web citizen, right? To mm -hmm. um, in particular not amplify conspiracy theories, um, hate speech, um, to uh, Basically, there, there, there's a, um, a, a list of demands. I believe the list of demands includes things like um, not making exceptions for, you know, politician-led hate speech. So Donald Trump being a, a prime example, but a, a bunch of um, almost exclusively in the United States, at least Republican uh, uh, members of Congress who've also um, and and uh, state representatives who've done this. So. That that is essentially what's um, what's driving it. I think there's also two other factors going on here. One, summer is a slow time for a lot of businesses, um, and so they feel like they can pull back. Um, and it's a recession, so they're already thinking about pulling back on marketing. And this is mm -hmm. kind of a, a nice dovetail excuse. Uh, the bad news is Mark Zuckerberg told I don't know why he would do this, but like at a public. Um, meeting, I, he just has no, um, yeah, no concept of how people perceive him or the world around him. I think, I think some, he's a little bit on the autism spectrum, which is, um, I, I think is understandable, but, uh, the, uh, basically announced to the Facebook team was like, um, advertisers will be back. They have no choice, but to use Facebook, uh, our reach is too strong. Like we're too powerful. Um, there's nothing they can do to us. We can ride this out, right? So, so unfortunately, so far the demands have not been met. Um, Zuckerberg met with a bunch of civil rights leaders in late June. It went nowhere. They basically all came away from the meeting saying he barely paid lip service to us, and we're very disappointed. 
Got there it. you go. I, w- okay. I would encourage anyone who can to join the boycott. I, I think that it's it's not only a good thing to do uh, for you, you know, for, for sort of society as a whole, but I would encourage you also because you will then take those dollars and discover more creative places to use them. And that can build what you want, right? What you want as a software business is you want marketing to be a potential competitive advantage, like a way for you to stand out from your competition because you can acquire customers at a lower cost and you can acquire more of them. And if all you're doing is bidding against everybody else on Facebook ads, it's not really a competitive advantage, right? Yep. Yeah, I know. I know so few businesses that... Uh, especially well like bootstrapped or you know ones that raise these smaller rounds these kind of angel rounds um so few of them just go head into google or facebook and and try to build it that way because you have to find these other avenues you have to find and and you can because you're not building a billion dollar company maybe you're building a 10 or 20 million dollar company you can build that with with smaller you know side streams which is exactly what you're saying um, yeah, even, I actually think even, that, if, but, even if long term you wanted to build a billion dollar company, why in the world would you start with the most expensive, lowest ROI forms of advertising unless you're just flooded with venture dollars? Right, right. And you have to you have to get there to justify the growth. It actually that dovetails us pretty nicely into this this next question that's about SparkToro. And, you know, we didn't really intro uh, what SparkToro is, so I'd love for you to, to do that. But the question is, it's from uh, Paulina Mas- Masson uh, from YouTube. She says, who is the target customer for SparkToro? I run a social media agency. Is SparkToro for me? So maybe like oh. a sentence or two about what it does and then just, you know, help us understand. Sure, sure. Um, so first off, uh, SparkToro is free to try. Anybody can just go to the website and, and um, run some searches. But the idea is that you can instantly discover what your your target audience or any target audience reads, listens to, watches, subscribes to, visits. Right. So if you wanna, if you say, "Oh, my audience is right," I'm trying to sell to chemical engineers in the UK. Tell me which podcast they listen to, so I can go figure out, you know, whether I should be a guest on those or uh, whether I can do some advertising there. Uh, I am trying to reach, you know, I'm I'm creating software for writers. I want uh, fiction authors in the U.S. Great, SparkToro can tell you what websites they visit and which YouTube channels they subscribe to and what um, what social media accounts they follow and, and pay attention to and engage with and what words and phrases they use in their bio. So you can do targeting of all kinds on, on ad platforms if you want or hashtags that they use if you want to follow those and uh, make connections through that. The, the idea is just um, it, it is not complicated at all, right? It's just a giant database of social media and web profiles aggregated together that is searchable by by anybody. Um, and the target customer is a, a little bit challenging for us. That's actually been hard because um, I would say right now we're about 50% um, agencies and then the other 50% is like a combination of founders and product people at companies and uh, in-house marketers and um, VPs and CMOs who who run marketing, uh, a lot of content mark, individual content marketers. We have about uh, maybe 170 ish paying customers right now. So it's very early. We launched literally three months ago today. Um, But uh, yeah, by the way, give it a spin. Congratulations. I've been watching behind the scenes, getting your updates. Yeah, yeah. You get the little investor updates, right? That I send, which. yeah, for folks who who don't know, by the way, I have a lot of empathy for all of you because uh, SparkToro launched. We did our first early access cohort in mid February, 
And I think Rob, you got the email, right? That was like, yep. oh my God, I think you just made an incredible investment because right. look at these numbers, right? We were getting like a 5%, 4.5% conversion rate from our first cohort. And then we sent to the rest of that cohort over the course of March um, and the conversion rate during the pandemic dropped by 90%. Yep. That's there tough. You go. It'll, it'll come back, but it's, it's, it makes a great story, right? It's like, I mean, marketing is where people cut when there is a recession, right? Yeah, so totally. Makes sense. Totally. Cool. Well, thank, yeah, thanks for, for bringing that in. Um, I have a question about, I'm curious if you have thoughts on this and if you don't, that that's fine, but it's from a Gezim. He runs commerce owl. And he said, what are some tips you can share when it comes to app store optimization? He's namely concerned about Shopify app store. Uh, oh, okay. But I, you know, do you know specifics or are there things that are more general across the board with app store with, you know, Apple app store, or WordPress plugin repo. I mean, there's, you know, all these app stores that are around. Yeah. Uh, so the, the bad news is everyone um, has different, um, right. Works in a different way. Marketing on them is different. Uh, the, you know, the, the, the Apple store or, or uh, you know, um, iOS versus Android is pretty similar. Every other app store, right? WordPress is pretty different from the Chrome plugin store, uh, uh, app store, the, the, um, Shopify app store, HubSpot's, um, platform, right? All those different ones. Uh, what I would say that is, tends to be shared is that, um, building up, uh, some, non-app store based marketing tends to work far better than the than inside the app store marketing right so basically if you can drive people to your landing page on your website for your product that is in the shopify app store that tends to work better because um, then you can get more people uh, adding your plugin or or uh, subscribing to your product and that helps you generate the reviews and the attention and awareness that then drives usually, I'm not exactly sure if Shopify, how much Shopify uses this in their ranking algorithm right inside the app store, but then that usually drives the metrics um, that mean you will rank highly in those app stores. So when people say like, oh, how do I get my Steam game to do really well on Steam? And I'm like, get it to do really well off Steam, hmm. right? This is, um, the frustrating, ironic reality of, of how most of right. those operate. Right. Cool. Um, so we are at time now, but we have at least four or five more questions. Would you be willing to stick around for another five, six? Let's lightning minutes? round it. I love should, it. Should we lightning yeah. round it? Yeah, that, that'd be amazing. Um, Beautiful. Normally we cut it off, but there's just too much. There, there's too much coming at us. All right. So next one is what are some good marketer commu communities oh, for Pete's sake? Yeah. Click the wrong thing in Slack. Sorry. What are some good marketer communities where one can find marketers discussing you know, their problems is what they're specifically asking. But yeah, sure, what, what sure. communities do you know of? Because I, I know you started one yourself, uh, you know, years ago. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a lot of the marketing community is um, centered on Twitter. This is just where a ton of that um, communication and, and sharing happens. Uh, so that's actually not a bad place to go and find those folks. Um, I also like, if you're looking for private communities, uh, a guy named... Um, John, what is John's name? Uh, Koi Wolf. Um, hmm. I, I love, you're just like me. You don't actually remember everything. You just Google everything. That's exactly how I, I do. I do Google everything. Yeah. What is my, um, 
uh, it's super embarrassing. I had dinner with him uh, right before the pandemic too. I miss him. Uh, yeah. Let's see. He started, he started Raven tools. Uh, oh, I John Henshaw. Tools. Yep. Yeah. So um, if you check out here, I'll send the, it's Koi Wolf. Is it Koi Wolf news? Koi Wolf community. Um, and they've got like a members only forum. I joined it early on and, uh, I get the weekly updates. It's really good. Uh, I also really like, um, Jeff Sowers, uh, community that he's been building, uh, data driven you.com. There's, um, yeah, wonderful, uh, wonderful program, email newsletter that he's got there. Uh, highly recommended, and probably that that one's probably pretty broad too, which I like. A lot of them are kind of SEO centric or marketing centric. Um, yeah. What was that one called? Data driven? Because I want to post data driven you. Uh, the letter U. dot com. Yep. Yes. Data driven you. Okay. Cool. U. dot com and coywolf. dot community. Coywolf. dot community. All right. Send me both of those. Excellent. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, next question is from uh, Etan Efrati, and he's he said he's an experienced marketer who's taken a lot of of websites that are already they have high domain authority, and he's taken them to the next level. But he's never done this right. zero to one type of thing. And he said, "What type of playbook could you suggest for new companies or websites just starting out? How long does it take yeah. before your content starts to compete with other high domain sites? And are backlinks still worth it? You know, just it's a lot of questions there, but yeah." Yeah, that, that's that's totally fair. Um, I, I agree. I think zero to one is very different from scaling something up um, because you have to find those first few practices that work. So the, the way that I would think about this, uh, Eitan, is I would try and figure out, uh, I wrote a blog post about this, but try and figure out what in your community or niche people uh, write about and amplify and broadcast and share. And then take that stuff, right? Take the stuff that the people who have the ability to amplify things are sharing and talking about stuff they care about and make that uh, central or at least very close to what you're creating, right? So um, I remember in the early days of, of Zillow, right? They were, they were talking about like, how do we build a real estate platform? And the, the way that they decided was, well, we need to find something that everybody cares about, that they want to amplify, that they're curious about, that they'll go check out, that reporters will write about, that you know, news outlets will write about, that all the real estate agents will tell their clients about. What can we do? Oh, let's build a home value calculator. It's not really part of their business model at all, right? It's just a marketing hook. And the, the Zestimate, right, the, the, the real estate calculator part of Zillow became how they generated their first, you know, 10 million visitors a month. Um, and so that finding that hook, whether that is, oh, I create episodic educational content because my niche, people care a ton about education, or I create a free tool. SparkToro had a ton of success with two free tools. Uh, one is our... our um, uh, Spark score, right? Which like tells you relatively speaking how uh, your social account does against everybody else's and then uh, fake followers, right? Which everybody basically goes in and runs their own account and then plugs in Donald Trump to see how many fake followers he has. Um, and that, uh, yeah, those kinds of hooks can work really well. So that's, that's where I'd urge you to start. 
Excellent. Thank you. Um, this question about LinkedIn. What are your thoughts on LinkedIn as a main channel for marketing for B2B SaaS? Is it better to focus on that or rather focus on content marketing? We will own where we will own the content. I'm just presuming like he's saying on a, you know, like his own website or a blog. Yeah. I, so both, right? Uh, use LinkedIn as a place to amplify the content you create. I have found it to be amazing, amazing. Let me tell you, so I'll, I'll give you a brief rundown of what I do on LinkedIn for um, SparkToro, which is basically every time I write a blog post, I you know, publish kind of a teaser version of it with an image on LinkedIn. It tends to do really well on there. It tends to inspire a lot of comments. I go into the comments. I, I, I sort of build relationships with the people who are commenting there. Um, I frequently go to my own feed and, you know, whatever, right? Just am a good, nice, kind person uh, reaching out to folks, commenting on their posts, offering empathy and support, trying to help people um, and, and building relationships that way. And then I also use um, LinkedIn for uh, promotional stuff, right? So like when SparkToro launched, when we have a new video about how something works in the tool, um, every week or two, I'll show something off about our tool inside LinkedIn. Uh, and every time a customer signs up for SparkToro, a paid customer, I go to LinkedIn, I look up their company, I try and find the person who signed up or the chief marketing officer or the director of marketing or whatever. And... I send them a connection request. I'm like, hey, I saw y'all signed up for SparkToro. It's really great to have you. Let me know if I can be helpful here on LinkedIn too. I love that platform. I think it's fantastic, right? And I would urge you to do the same thing. Awesome. Thank you. Great advice. Last question for today, as we are several minutes over, it's a question about SparkToro. It's from Phil Johnston, and he says, I'm doing content marketing aimed at developers looking to jump ship from Google Maps APIs. Is there a way that SparkToro could help there? And I, you know, Brad, uh, you could is, talk us through, or you could screen share. Either way, I mean, whatever. this is a superb question. Why? Why would we not screen share at this point? So I need to go share oh. my screen. Uh, your entire oh, Chrome, but da, 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 da. Koi Wolf community. Sure. Okay, we're gonna share this. We're gonna go to SparkToro. I hope I'm logged in. Logged in. Yes, I'm logged in. Good. Uh, sharing this tab. Okay, so let's find go find people who frequently talk about Google Maps API. I don't know if we're going to have yeah. a lot, but we'll find out. Uh, we do not. Let's go. Oh, whoops. I'm using these words in their profile. Nobody's going to use those words in their profile. <laughs> Uh, so there's these different ways to search SparkToro, right? Frequently talks about, that's like the content of people's whatever shares and posts on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and uh, Instagram and all that. And then there's uses these words in their profile, which is just their bio, right? Or their job title or whatever. So yes, okay. We have a small group of people, 381 sources. That's not actually that bad. Who talk about, who frequently talked about the Google Maps API in the last three months and here are people who reach them, right? So sources they're paying attention to, uh, social media sources. A lot of these are Google-centric, but um, certainly I think you could get some of these folks to potentially uh, talk about you, amplify you. Yeah, Mossberg, Atwood, TensorFlow. So, okay, so here, it, right, um, let's say I wanted um, I don't know, uh, Ev 
right, which I think is Ev Williams from Twitter, to amplify my stuff. 12% of the 381 profiles that have frequently talked about Google Maps API in the last four months uh, follow or engage with Ev on one or more platforms. Um, we could look at websites. It's very Google-centric, but Search Engine Land is probably a great place to get on, right? So I'd pitch the editors there for sure. I would try and get on Hacker News. I would try and get on Arxiv. I would try and get uh, probably on Speaker Deck. Uh, Dev2, this is a great community for programmers, right? Um, yeah, these are all places I would go. Uh, I could pitch some of these podcasts. I'm not familiar with my first, my last, my everything, PR expert. That's fascinating. I might, I might try and get on her podcast. I wonder if she probably had some guests from there recently. But some of these are, are great podcasts to potentially pitch or sponsor, right? Spon podcast sponsorship, terrific. YouTube, same story. You're not going to get in the Google ones with a competitor to Google Maps API, probably. But uh, you could certainly try some of these other ones, uh, VentureBeat, the Search Engine Land one. Um, and then you can go into audience insights and say like, oh, okay, a lot of these people are also talking about, uh, yeah, Python, right? Let's see what the Python community follows, listens to, pays attention to. Um, and this this might not be perfect for your API, but could be could be right for others. So, okay, there's 40,000 people have used wow. the hashtag Python on uh, one or more social media platforms in the last three months, and here's what they follow and amplify. So conceivably, you could start to like build your list for outreach there. Um, and I'm going to stop with the SparkToro ad. <laughs> that... Awesome. That's an amazing... Uh, uh, no, that, that was great. That was a great answer. Yeah. That was like the perfect answer to that question. Um, as fast as I can. <laughs> thank you so much, man. Yeah. So thanks for taking the extra time to uh, yeah. hang out with Rob, us. Rob, we're, we're going to have to do this again. I think I feel like we, we need to have our next conversation be around this whole... Um, you know, venture versus uh, non-venture and alternative forms of funding and like what's coming up and um, where folks can go for that, um, how, how we can get more, more different kinds of founders, more different kinds of businesses, more diverse kinds of founders um, into this game because uh, that I, I'd love to chat about that stuff, too. Yeah, love to do it, man. We'll we'll make we'll make a note. Producer Xander, right. put him on the calendar. It's on the list. So, it's on the list. Uh, if folks want to keep up with you, obviously, I mean, you were generous enough to you know offer up your your email oh, yeah. earlier. My my uh, my email is randsparktoro.com, and um, I'm most active on Twitter, where I'm at randfish. Yeah, randfish and sparktoro.com. If folks want to you know see what you're up to in terms of software, but also yeah, yeah. see your blog posts. That's where you're blogging these days. So, thanks again, man. Been great having you. Yeah, great to be here. All right. Next Wednesday, we are going to have founder spotlights from the MicroConf Connect community. We're going to be talking with Tony Chan from Cloud Forecast and Edwin Williams from Zenhammer to hear about what they are up to and what they're building. Um, thanks so much again to Rand for taking 40 minutes out of his, his day as a busy startup founder. Really appreciate that he's always willing to give back. So same time, same place next week, microconfonair.com. See ya.